Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Good morning, Tom. That's a beautiful hotel room you're in. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> There's a bed and a lamp. It's great. Yes, it's it's awesome. You're backlit, so we can't see your face. You know, you're kind of like, no. <laughs> we see one side of your face and not the whole thing. Yeah. And those are those are awesome curtain thingies there you got. You want to <laughs> buy those for your house, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's nice of them to put a map of the of the city you're in right there on the wall too, so you can find your way from the hotel room. That's that's an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah. awesome. All right. So this morning we are joined by a couple of folks. Oh my goodness, I've lost your names. You're gonna have to tell me what your names are because I'm I'm totally horrible at this. <laughs> hey, wait. Maybe I need to learn how to do podcasts. <laughs> So, so go ahead, introduce yourselves, and 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 we'll we'll push on with asking questions. <laughs> Actually, you can be first because your name is easier. <laughs> My name is easier. Not necessarily. I've heard it butchered so many times on various occasions. So, um, yeah, my name is Maciej Rabenda. Uh, I'm a senior network engineer at Cody Lime for roughly half a year. I previously worked for Intel as a previously network engineer and then software firmware architect okay. uh, for about nine and a half year. Okay. Yeah, and my name is Krzysztof Wrubel uh, and I'm director of engineering at Codilime uh, and my group is uh, focusing on this hardware offloading and low level stuff, especially in terms of networking. Ah. So I have some 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 business role right now, but uh, in the past I was a software engineer for ten years at Samsung. Oh, at Samsung! Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. So Samsung doesn't do networking, right? So they do. They do also a lot of networking. But yeah, me personally, I was involved in digital TV. So okay, I've never seen a Samsung router. That's that's why that just seems odd to me. <laughs> Tom, have you ever seen a Samsung radio? I haven't, but there's a lot of things I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> all right. So, I guess we, we're talking about how we're offloading this morning, which is a very interesting topic because uh, there is a lot of stuff going on on the server side, in particular, that is impacting the network in ways that, you know, network engineers need to understand these things and, and be able to deal with them and, and do whatever needs to be done with them. So let's begin here. Like, what is the importance of hardware offloading? Not from a networking perspective, but just, well, I guess from, you know, a networking specific uh, perspective in general, but what's the importance of this technology? Well, what's going on here that we're worried about hard hardware offloading? Yeah, so maybe we can start, you know, in 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 the overall because the the hardware offloading is was always with us and st still is and will be, and I think it will be more and more significant. Yes. Yeah? So okay. Uh, some time ago, you know, we 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 learned as a IT industry, yes, we we learned how to use GPUs, and now nowadays nobody asks even why it is uh, important and why it is needed. Yes, but in yeah. terms of networking, it was not much of it. Of course. 
always there is some there are some data some protocols low level being processed on the on the network card yes but nowadays when we have this virtualized environments when we have uh, everything controlled by the software uh, sdn sdns etc so uh, in my opinion uh, nowadays it's a must and in the future it will be more and more important because uh, you know uh, there are various of, of reasons, yes. One one is uh, the performance, but offloading is not always an acceleration, yes. My, uh, our group name is uh, offloading and acceleration because it's not always, you know, uh, uh, goes together. So, so I, I would say performance, uh, but also security. Those are the most important things why we do this offload, yes. And, you know, that because... Uh, Looking from perspective of different clients, uh, there can be different challenges and different needs in terms of offloading. But we can talk a lot, of, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, about cool. it more later. Yeah, yeah. But aside from this, aside from that, also you have the power consumption, especially when you when it comes to using smart NICs in servers, right? Uh, when you want to do storage and uh, you want to minimize the impact of the on the infrastructure of uh, sorry impact on the CPUs in regards to infrastructure, so networking, storage, et cetera, which takes a significant amount of CPU cycles normally. You want to completely move it outside to something that takes less power, like ARM cores, for example, and sell the, the rest of the CPU cycles off to you know applications, whatnot, right? Not, not, not have them as a waste or a cost, but more like a profit. Right. Right, because a network processor is going to just be better at shipping packets because it's specialized than pushing it through a, GP, uh, through, a, through a general purpose processor of whatever kind it is, or even running packets through interrupt context on your main processor or dedicating a core to doing it or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, that it's going to always be better to have a specialized processor doing that work not only from an energy consumption, but also from a heat dissipation side of things, right? Because it's just going to be more efficient. The one that I thought was interesting there that I had never heard before is security. Can you explain a little bit about security use cases? Because again, I, I just never, nobody's ever said to me, oh, you know, uh, hardware offloading or using a physical switching hardware like an ASIC or uh, a forwarding engine, I tend to call them forwarding engines because they're not just ASICs, right? They're also FPGA or whatever they might happen to be, is actually more secure than doing it or uh, passing packets on the main processor. Yeah, so so it's more secure by design, yes, because you have this clear separation and, you know, packets in, in, in some of the uh, hardware offloading solutions, yes, you, you don't even have to uh, uh, send the packets to the general CPU at all. You can, pre in some cases, you can pre-process them, uh, uh, but in some cases, you don't even have to touch the CPU. So that's why it's, it's, uh, it, it's more secure because uh, when you decide that given packets should be, you know, the, uh, moved to uh, the, the data from it should be moved to the storage, for example, then you don't even have to move it to the, to the CPU. So 
moving to CPU means that, okay, we are moving it so, somewhere to the memory and this memory is accessible also for by other applications. Yes? So especially in the cloud environments when you have multi-tenants, uh, uh, you know, uh, servers and, and, and there are multiple tenants, uh, workro workloads from multiple tenants uh, working on the same CPU, then uh, so that's why uh, it, it's even more important in such a case. Okay. So, so, so I want I want okay. I wanted to ask um, what so just historically when you look at offload efforts uh, specifically in the Linux kernel, um, the first thing I remember coming across in this area was the TCP offload engine, and um, you know that was really interesting and had its problems and stuff. Um, in in more modern approaches like SmartNix and DPU, so have have we have we moved away from the idea of offloading like a small part of the protocol stack? In that case, it was it was optimizing TCP and accelerating TCP um, for the TCP offload engines. Um, obviously, SmartNix and DPUs are much more capable. But have have we moved away from like trying to do a small part of the stack and just saying we're just going to take the entire the entire network stack over here uh, onto some hardware? Or is there still like a piecemeal taking some of it, let the let the system CPU do some of it sort of idea? Well, the one thing about TCP offloading per se in context of Linux is that, uh, as far as I know, the Linux per se does not support the TOE overall. Right. It's. I think there are some maybe even maybe out of three things or or FreeBSD. I think has to support for TOE. But aside from that, I don't think that. Uh, well, my 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 understanding is that Linux doesn't like some offloading things overall because it's not software controllable. Like they don't have full control over it. If you're doing something on the hardware, like offloading, maybe you know GPU and stuff. That's one thing. But if you're doing networking, if they cannot control every packet that's happening there, then it's a, some kind of a no-go. And in regards to adopting TOE, the main re rationale from what I'm hearing is, or what, what's generally available on, I don't know, wiki side for TOE, is that there is, for example, um, updatability, which is, it's hard to replace hardware if you find bugs, right? It might be FPGA, which might be reprogrammed, but aside from that, you know, uh, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is resources, which the, if you're doing a lot of connections for TCP, you're going to utilize a lot of memory. With SmartNix, obviously, we have more RAM, but with like dedicated cards, something that was already uh, like first cards that would support TOE, they wouldn't have as much resources to support as many connections. So it's easier to upgrade the PC or server, adding additional RAM uh, RAM. Uh, uh, elements, right? But aside from that, uh, there is also, you know, security concerns. I've said updatability, it's getting outdated pretty easily. So I can understand where they're going from. But, um, okay, so coming coming to a TOE or, or are we going away from this? I don't see how we're going to support TCP offloading otherwise. Because obviously we still have to support like some pieces of the stack. We can support doing some of the TCP things uh, related. I don't know, support offload uh, something on top of TCP, let's say HTTP or as we did MQTT. Uh, it's kind of difficult because putting the SmartNIC in between or a network device in between two entities that normally have the TCP connection established um, you're placing a third 
third entity into a connection that normally requires only two. And everyone here has to be in sync. So you either probably, if you're do offloading a server, you're impersonating a server on the, on the smartnik, which causes a lot of problems, which we laid out in the webinar. And then I had it for over 30 pages or so. We have an ebook laying out different problems that such approach, uh, uh, such approach poses. So you're saying you're basically replacing the entire network protocol stack software bit. So from an application perspective, am I just sending traffic to a socket or am I actually doing pre-processing? I guess this is what Tom is already asking. Okay. So, so what, what we've done for a, for a proof of concept with the, the with uh, SmartNIC, we've run the lightweight IP. So we had a small stack in a DPDK application. So basically we were just running a, a separate stack we have okay. with TCP support on it and a, a bit of MQTT processing on top of it. So we have an upper layer protocol and we're, uh, we're putting, putting the packets through DMI towards the host and host has a socket. So we have like a socket interception thing basically. And, uh, okay. on the host side, uh, the sockets that are related to the protocol being offloaded are going through the card this way instead of like normal network pass. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. So basically using you're using the DPDK interface. And I was going to ask about DPDK and eBPF anyway and user kernel space stuff. Um to draw the packets from the user space directly into the offload path for the by effectively you're kind of bypassing the entire kernel networking exactly. stack. I mean I'm sure you're still pulling off of things like the routing table and next hop groups and stuff like that, because you have to, right? Because there's no way to get that information except from the kernel to do the forwarding. But as far as processing the IP, putting the headers on, looking up next hops and figuring out what the Mac header rewrite string is, all that stuff is done in your offloaded on the card rather than being done in the kernel. Correct. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, so, so it does it. It, it does Mac layer stuff too, like like NCAP and DCAP and things like that. Um, or are we just talk about talking about socket processing? Like, like if, if, when a, when a packet comes in, does DPDK send the whole thing, um, the the whole the whole frame into, the, and then the offload engine does all the DCAP and and all, everything like that, or is it at a higher layer than that? You know, basically, okay. So on the host side, you have the socket interception. So basically, we intercept the socket API calls. Like create socket or you know transmit receive those are transmitted uh, through DMI. We have a communication path, uh, let's say some some queue, let's say uh, to our application. The application, uh, I think at that point from the server side, we are just passing it through to the layer two, right? To just send it out. Uh, or maybe is it going to another socket and then you know we're encapsulating it again with headers yeah, yeah. But, but that's way being, that, yeah does, mm -hmm. yeah but that's being done in hardware not in not on the processor right all of that's being done in hardware pretty much well in that in that case no no we have the tcp socket software right okay we're just running it on arm yeah okay okay cool we didn't I, do fpga yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This yeah that's right. yeah, yeah. 
again. Now we're just trying to figure out like, how does this work in comparison to a normal path where normally I bring a packet in, it gets pulled onto a receive ring. You have something that interrupts something, you know, and then that's something that gets interrupted goes, whether it's a, an FPGA or an FE or whether it's the main processor, it doesn't matter. Pulls the packet off the receive ring, de-encapsulates it, does all the processing and ends up sticking in a socket towards the application on the outbound side. You know, you have the opposite going on. So just trying to figure out how much of this does this offload take off? Does it take off everything below the TCP socket? Does it take off, you know, how does it interact with the with the with the kernel, I guess, is is what we're trying to figure out. Because okay, that gives us a better sense of what it does. The the traffic that's related to MQT that does not pass the kernel stack. Okay. Altogether. So all the traffic that's related. So basically we're looking for TCP connection on a certain on a certain port. Mm-hmm. And we that's that's what the let's say the socket interception shim. That's a, a single piece of code that we okay. we attach to a to a to an application. So the MQTT broker in this case, a server. Mm-hmm. Um, unrelated traffic, just we pass it through as is, as the calls is just call yeah. whatever is in the kernel and the, the ones that we are interested in are directed to uh, an application on the on the uh, smartnik side in that yeah. case we do we rarely do processing on the from the server side because there is not much of a thing interesting uh, because for mqtt specifically for that protocol uh, the certain thing that we were offloading was n- we we weren't offloading the whole uh, the whole protocol that was the main point, because the okay. easiest way to offload the, the the easiest way to offload a certain protocol would be just to move the broker from host to a, to an ARM course, and you're just done, right? Yeah. But in that case, we just wanted to do some offload of a certain certain part, piece of the of that protocol, which poses a lot of interesting things because some of the traffic goes to smarting and has to be processed there and terminated, meaning we don't pass that to uh, to um, to the host, so it's not. Uh, it's not aware that some of the transmit or receive packets, some some traffic happened without its knowledge, which also desynchronizes the TCP connection on the on the host side, and that's the interesting part of how to how to make it uh, so that the host still thinks that it's on the healthy TCP connection, so that it doesn't drop it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Cool, mm-hmm. awesome. So, in in those terms, I mean, once you start doing this offloading, there are a couple of things I'm very curious about how it interacts with. There's been a lot of work going on in Linux kernel and in the routing table in the Linux kernel about next top groups and stuff like that. Since I, I guess you're running on ARM, so you can just take those changes into consideration is what you're saying, right? Or are you actually running on an ASIC and you have to figure out how to get from the Linux table and compile the stuff into the into the like, which of those two are you doing? Is it more a sub-generic processor, or is it actually like a forwarding engine, like a, like an ASIC? Sorry, I don't think I understood fully oh, the question okay. here. Okay, probably not. That's okay. Um, so, yeah, so what I'm thinking is when you are thinking about uh, pulling traffic across an ASIC, you have to be able to take the routing table information and things like next hop groups and ECMP mm-hmm. and stuff like that and compile them into a format that the that the ASIC understands. Mm-hmm. So is that what you're doing or are you doing more on an ARM or something like that where you're actually just 
using a subprocessor? No, every everything was done in software. So basically, all the packet processing we had on the on the on the software. So all the layer two and above, we were doing in the application. So okay. the only thing that was interesting in the PDK, we were just pushing the packet through uh, through a function like PCI, okay. and then it went through the port or it came to us. We were just a, I would say a bump in the wire almost. Okay. Just okay. We did, we weren't having a separate connection to a network card on the host side. We had PCI, but it's still the same. A bump in the wire in between the the application. So we had on this here we had the socket isolation, right? Meaning we have application, the socket, then DMI to the to the to the application okay. on the arm, whole stack, and then out we go through the port. Okay. Mm -hmm. And. I guess then it also operates the same for things like BGP for like TCP push and stuff like that. Like if the application, because BGP does this all the time, and it's very mm -hmm. important from a performance perspective for BGP to be able to say, send this now. Don't wait until the queue is full. That's all above what you're working on, right? That seems like it would be all at the TCP socket. That's not something that you would be seeing. You wouldn't actually even well, that's the domain of the network side, right? Because yeah. uh, in in this case, you're for for you're talking about Nagel's algorithm, right? Yeah, you're yeah. waiting for yeah. small packets to be jumbled jumbled into a yes. single packet yeah. until the MTU is exhausted yeah. and dumped yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what uh, the TCP stack would do. Yeah, okay. we were so we, we were actually yeah. we were porting a TCP existing TCP stack, so we weren't that much concerned about that. Though it, yeah. it's one of the problems that you would be facing if you're offloading TCP. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah, is the... Just... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, um, in the beginning, you mentioned something I was pretty interested in. You mm -hmm. said acceleration and offloading are not necessarily the same thing. Can you expand on that a little bit? The, the you know the the the, the process the, the of the offloading itself is moving somewhere from the I mean you know the, there can be a number of definitions yes but 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 in the definition we we use is that offloading is moving from this, uh, the operations from the general CPU to some other dedicated unit yes it can be an arm uh, on on the DPU for example it can be an ASIC it can be an uh, some IP core implemented uh, through FPGA for example yeah so uh, very often uh, the offloading itself does not give you much of a performance gain in terms of throughput for example yeah but for sure you can uh, get uh, much much better results in terms of latency so, so it, it it depends how how do you how do we define the accelerate acceleration yeah itself and and what we want to accelerate, but yeah for example in terms of throughput uh, it's not always necessary uh, to be true that you know each offloaded uh, solution will give you a better performance here. Yeah, so so rephrasing probably would be something like the offload is general uh, general move of certain workload from CPU to some other hard piece of hardware. It might be dedicated, it might be an ARM core, different CPU. Acceleration is subdomain of offload where you want to get performance. But it's not always that. Right, right. That okay. makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so cool. So we were talking about use cases at first, and we kind of got off into the technical details, which is cool. Well, maybe let's go back to use cases a little bit and figure out like what those why people might want to do this, uh, you know, just just so that 
listeners understand a little bit where they might encounter this or, or where they might run into this type of stuff? Yeah, so I think uh, that the, the first obvious uh, uh, reason is, uh, you know, freeing up this CPU resources. So it's very important for the cloud providers, yes. And this is why the smart mix were uh, implemented in those uh, types of clients, in those types of companies uh, at first, because this is very precious uh, resource for them because this is what they sell. Uh, so that's why uh, freeing up th those resources uh, give them, you know, more income. Yes, uh, so reducing the TCO. So uh, in 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 modern virtualized environments, uh, it was estimated that around thirty percent, even thirty percent of the CPU was actually wasted only for processing the the infrastructure part. You know, because uh, having having number of virtual machines and having some software um, uh, software uh, you know virtual switch working as a process uh, on on the CPU, uh, it was you know utilizing a lot of uh, resource power. So it's it's one of the obvious re uh, reason why we would like to do that. Yeah? So. Uh, so th thanks to this, we can, uh, of course, you know, we substitute uh, the the CPU power uh, with the FPGAs or ARM cores or whatever, because there are different architectures of those SmartNIC devices, yes. But uh, those uh, mostly, I mean, the, the, they are more, rather more uh, power efficient, like we said. Uh, and are because of the, the the dedicated function they were designed for yes so that's why it's one of the uh, one of the reasons yes so is especially in this virtual environment uh, it's very it's very important and this is what actually happens uh, already happened and most of the hyperscalers they already used uh, those smartix solutions in their environments. Yeah, you can you can actually find papers from Amazon describing the problem in the solution space. That really interesting um, stuff that they've published. So, but but I mean to get really specific though, um, you've mentioned MQTT a number of times. Um, are is it, one of the use cases could be you're implementing a message queue and you want to do that in 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 hardware rather than just the kernel. It, it, is that the only use case, or are there others like it? Or no, MQTT, we've chosen MQTT for the proof of concept just because it's simple. Yeah. Basically, yeah. we were we were more interested in facing the actual problems that would the TCP itself would pose without the additional problems that we would put on top of it. And also the use case for MQTT, the main the main thing or main uh yeah, workload that would consume most of the CPU would be not the subscription because it's a subscription subscribe subscribe publish kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, kind of protocol. Uh, the 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 distribution of packets once a published packet comes in is the most consuming part of the protocol. So we wanted to offload that. So the subscription management, we've left that with the server, with the host, and right. just focus on this part. And just because we wanted to have to offload a part of the protocol, not the whole one. Yeah. So make it a bit more difficult. So you were cutting down your problem domain to a point where you felt like you could efficiently handle it as a proof of concept and then in the future you can expand that to supporting other things and yeah, QTT given, is interesting yeah because it's given because the limited us yeah that's fine yeah and mqtt is interesting just because it's a hard problem in some sense right it consumes a lot of power and it's all internal it's not something that you use for customers 
is something you're using internal as a subscribe publish service. Yeah, given the limited resources we had, right? Time and, and so on. It sure. was a POC on on the on top of all the other things we're doing. Yeah, but but it was just an example that you know because so far most of the projects we did we we did were on this uh, infrastructure level. Yes, so it was the first time we tried to offload the application layer uh, protocols. Yes, because uh, most. Uh, Mm, uh, uh, most offloaded solutions uh, being available right now, uh, they care about this infrastructure. Yeah, so about uh, you know uh, uh, the, the the forwarding packets, forwarding packets, uh, uh, routing, tunneling, etc. Yes, but uh, uh, I think uh, SmartNix and 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 the in overall the offloading uh, approach, uh, we can benefit also on the application layer yeah? so, mm -hmm. so we can mqtt is just an example here yeah so with 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 that normally the smart thing would just if we have a simple packet forwarder or more complex packet forwarder it might even do some substitution in the you know all the all the protocols that it understands however with the mqtt and tcp the smart thing itself had to be an active receiver and transmitter in that case it's not a packet forwarder it actually had to do something more generate packets not only on on by itself but also on behalf of the host which is like if it had to impersonate the other endpoint of a tcp connection so yeah. all the all the problems that would normally come from i don't know uh sequence ack number desynchronization um uh selective ACKing or, or analoging of the packets it's 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 all so what about what about climbing maybe a little bit higher in the stack um i don't know doing something like like sql like you've got a database server and and you want to offload now understand there's a bunch of storage implications that are probably out of scope but like um it, what about things like that I think you already there are already I think use cases where at least the packets are monitored by the smartnik to to uh, to verify whether we're trying to do or you know you have an attempt of SQL injection it might try to analyze the packet even actively might put it to to software if if some of the rules within the hardware uh, define that it's an actually an SQL packet so it just moved upwards to a software layers within the within a smartnik and then can be further analyzed either by heuristics through some ifs or maybe ai sure sure so we've talked a bit about delay but but a lot of times applications are primarily bounded performance bounded by jitter rather than delay per se right because delay is i mean long delays make a difference but within a range delay is kind of is there an impact here on the jitter side of things as far as being able to process packets more consistently from the server's perspective to be able to feed like a, a streaming application or something like that so that if you're recording or whatever it is you get the you get a more consistent inflow of packets so that uh, it would help your performance in that direction have you seen anything or are there use cases out there in that area Yeah, so uh, for sure it impacts uh, positively. Yeah, so there is a positive impact on the on the on the jitter itself uh, because of the fact that you know the the 
uh, especially in the cases where the packets can be totally processed on the smartNIC itself. So, so the packet does not have to go through the uh, you know sch- scheduling system of the uh, of the kernel, etc. So that's why it's more predict- predictable, yeah, because uh, everything is done in a hardware speed. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so for sure, it have uh, some positive impact on the on the jitter itself. If we're doing if we're doing that in user space, for example, on the ARM cores and the smart, you can easily isolate them so that the jitter is minimized there. So you don't have unpredictable, as you've mentioned, uh, the Linux scheduler or or interrupts happening, so that might impact the flow of the packets. Oh, so it like like if uh, running a session border controller in a VoIP network, um, in a VoIP application rather, um, you could you could offload that part of it. And obviously, voice is a very jitter sensitive application. And and so for that type of thing, you know, like if you're going to implement an SPC using the scheme, um, would you see would you see this make a difference in the? Uh, obviously, the network in the middle has a lot to do with it. But as far as host processing, um, would you see that this being a significant factor to improving? improving the experience for a, for an SPC deployment? I think if, if you're considering the user application that's going to process the packets for the voice IP, let's say, that's going to actually utilize it. Uh, if it's if it's not per se interrupted very often, the all the other fun stuff that's happening below it, meaning the network stack and so on, if it's running on a dedicated cores on the on the SmartNIC, uh, I think you might see a significant improvement in Jitter. So it's not only that; it's it's a general it's a general thing. If we're processing the packets, uh, let's say at real time with dedicated cores that are not being interrupted, or or the processes are not swapped in that case. Uh, the only thing that might be interrupted is the user application that's running on top of it. Meaning that application is already running on the host side. So either host side might need to isolate the core for, for that specific process, or, or maybe the impact is not so, it's not so big and the, the, all the harder elements related to packet processing and so on. Are done in the in the dedicated cores on the on the smart thing. There's you're gaining this because mm. mm. I, I was thinking in terms as well of software defined storage, where jitter can make a huge difference in your ability to write things concurrently to multiple to multiple drives across mm. a virtual RAID array or something like that. So yeah. That's that. That's another application that I think is a very interesting in this space. Yeah, on on that on that point, whenever we're thinking storage, as you mentioned, also Krzysiek, uh the thing is that uh, you might just redirect uh, whatever, let's say NVMe or other other commands, SCSI even, right, as CSI, uh, to the drive itself without the CPU, you know, doing the peer-to-peer yeah. DMA. Yeah. That's 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 an interesting, that's an entirely different but interesting application of this type of technology because you're not offloading necessarily to the NIC, which is what you think of when you think of offload. You're offloading to some other component on the server that can handle that kind of stuff uh, much more easily. Again, go back to video recording, right? So if you're on broadcast TV, you could actually offload to 
some sort of internal processor that's set up in your in your video card or something rather than offloading to the NIC for certain things, like have a more direct path, which would make a big difference in your ability to handle broadcast TV and stuff in a server of a given size. So, yeah, so yeah. so so it, it it all makes you know the internal architecture of the server more distributed. Yes, so yeah. the CPU was was a king and was a main controller of uh, in the past, but nowadays there are more and more specialized, dedicated hardware. Uh, uh, yeah, so so that's why it's interesting. Yeah, I think I think it will. Uh, progress further with this, uh, you know, se separation and distribution of different function uh, being handled by dedicated, dedicated hardware. But in terms of the voice over IP, like you mentioned here, yeah, that there are some interesting use cases, for example, where uh, you can uh, utilizing this FPGA, yeah, and 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 the fact that you can implement there any function and you can even change this function, uh, you know, uh, maybe not at runtime, but you know after the deployment you can you can modify it. So so there are some interesting use cases like uh, you are you know getting from the network directly the 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 audio streams, and you can you know do the transcription uh, in the FPGA, for example, and store it in uh, store store it in the in 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 your storage device. Yes, and everything happens without again without touching the CPU, where the the whole control plane uh, can can be can be you know executed, but can run there, and you don't need much more uh, of our resources there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think. Um... This would allow you to build vertically scale a system, uh, and then make it so that basically improve multi tenancy. I mean, that was the in in the in the stuff I've read about Amazon's use case. It, obviously, it's all about multi tenancy, and you don't want one one customer's uh, use of the machine impacting another's. And so, I could I could see how you could build a multi tenant philosophy here. You have an offload engine for each um, for each customer or tenant or whatever, and then the main CPU doesn't end up. You don't end up sharing resources between the tenants is is it is multi-tenancy something you've thought about uh, yeah, yeah so so uh, uh, for example one of the project we did was uh, the offloading one of the SDN you know virtual switches so so there was a slow path and a fast path uh, so uh, after you know uh, uh, defining the, the 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 to which Virtual machine or container, uh, uh, like container, uh, or any other you know uh, resource, the the packet should be directed. Then it's done in the hardware. Yes, yeah? so it means uh, you have this clear separation on the hardware level. So the 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 packet can be forwarded exactly to the uh, uh, virtual machine that is you know the the, the connection is done. Yes, yeah? so so it's 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 one of the uh, thing where this multi-tenancy uh, is, is, is applied. Yes. So. Yeah. Another, another interesting application of this to me would be connection, uh, connection encryption, like TLS, yeah. those types of things yeah. where I could offload the validation and everything, all the encryption bits to something other than my CPU, which would make a huge difference not just in my CPU utiliz utilization, but also in my ability to encrypt more stuff if I can encrypt all of my sessions coming into a web server that's supporting tens of thousands of connections by offloading it, by distributing the encryption bits to something other than my main processor, that makes a yeah. huge difference in performance 
yeah, and just and, in, in scaling. And what is important here is that you know if you trust the applications, yes. So if you if you trust the physical machine, but you do not trust uh, you know the uh, the connections outside the, the the server, yes. For example, then you can fully you you don't have to care about it on the application level at all, and you uh, can be sure that everything what goes outside your server. Is encrypted. Yes? So, and this encryption actually is a crucial component for realizing much more um, use cases. So, in case of this MQTT, for example, yes, we did it uh, for the unencrypted, yeah, because this encryption uh, would require some IP cores uh, to 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 handle it. And you know, we did it as a POC, so that's why we didn't have much time for it. But it's a cr crucial thing. Yes? So you can terminate actually the SSL connection on the SmartLink itself. So, so this is a very interesting, uh, uh, yeah, application. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. On the other side, when we, when you've mentioned, uh, Tom, when you've mentioned, uh, multi-tenancy, uh, the one thing that came to my mind is that, uh, the IPU more than the DPU use case, when the IPU is uh, hierarchically higher <laughs> on top of hierarchy. So it's, it's more important than the host itself. It's not an offload machine for the host, though it does offload things as an IPU. It provides the infrastructure, networking, storage, uh, cryptography functions. However, it doesn't provide any control functions to the host. The control is completely out of band. And if you separate the PCI uh, lane, like normally it's it's times 16, if you do a times four, to uh, to a platform like a Blade platform or se separate platforms with uh, you know PC PCI connections, you might have a multi-host environment. So you wouldn't rent out a virtual machine; you would rent out uh, a physical machine. So it's not only infrastructure as a service; it's more of a I don't know metal as a service. I don't think there is there is a, an appropriate name for such deployment. But in this case. Uh, there would be one SmartNIC serving several platforms that it's connected to through PCI. It would provide the services, however, the configuration would be on an out-of-band uh, connection. So it provides not only the offloading, but also the complete isolation for for the host. So you, we're talking about security here. Mm -hmm. Sure, you, you could offer, you could offer uh, isolation and multi-tenancy without the overhead of running two kernels to do that, right? You could run the host operating system and the still get all the multi-tenancy and isolation without yeah. all the overhead, which typically, I mean, that's always been the trade-off we'd have to make. Yeah. Well, it also is helping you not need to always context switch on the kernel or on the processor to do different things, right? Because normally what you're doing is you're context switching between user space and kernel space in order to process things and this is part of what DPDK is trying to get around, but you're going further than that and actually processing it someplace else so that that memory stuff is happening. All those memory operations are happening someplace else entirely, which you know helps you on the context switch side as well. So yeah, this is all really fascinating to me because uh, the impact on the network is you know you do have less jitter, the network has to be tighter, you have to think more in terms of what the network can deliver at a faster rate. So we're talking speeds and fees, but we're also talking about just paths are more important. Traffic steering is more important. All of this stuff becomes more important because everything tightens up once you lose the kind of sloppiness 
at the at the server side, right? Yeah. 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 You were you were mentioning just today about why actually the whole thing is is important in relation to the network that almost that the whole interaction to a server is not through a GUI of some some admin, right? Or if you want to access services, you're not doing it locally. Everything happens through the network. Yeah, so network is some kind of, nowadays is some kind of trigger for the most of the workload being, you know, handled by the by the CPU or any other, yeah, but, but again, it, it is the main trigger nowadays, yes? Yeah, yeah. So I like I like what you, I like what you're saying, Russ, because I think we do in in terms of network design and architecture, we do get away with a certain subset of things just because the hosts aren't designed well enough. Yeah. Like we just know that we don't have to worry about that because the host <laughs> doesn't have the efficiency. But as soon as it does, then we're going to have to we're going to lose that luxury. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Everything becomes high speed trading. Networks. <laughs> well, you know, the more the, the more workload you have, the more speed you have. Once the one 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 aspect catches up, the other opportunities arise, and then it's a constant, you know, competition. Let's say, yeah, between the application uh, guys and the network guys. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, well, I think that's a good place to stop. I think we've covered the topic really well. I think it's really interesting. I do, however, want to know where people can get more information about this, the POC and the concepts in general, and what y'all have been working on this area, like follow future stuff. So so where is that? Where can people follow what's going on in this space, uh, how to get in touch or, or, you know, to ask questions or whatever it might be? So the webinar is recorded on YouTube. Okay. I believe it's called uh, uh, Hardware Offloading of, or TCP Offloading. Uh, in MQTT use case, I think. Okay. Something like this. And then there is our homepage. Yeah, our homepage, uh, our blog, uh, which we regularly post some uh, networking stuff, among the others, the, the hardware offloading. Yeah. And we are expecting more, uh, more webinars. Now we are working on some concept around connecting different accelerators like GPU and SmartNix and utilize some uh, machine learning uh, and you know do do the processing directly from the SmartNix through the uh, on the GPU without the CPU interaction so at some point in time we expect also webinar around it so there will be some more interesting stuff coming uh, i hope <laughs> in, in, in soon in the future yeah and also on the homepage we have ebooks okay. and resources side so the, the ebook was following with more detail on the problems that we had with the PUC uh, that we had to face and how they could be solved. Okay. So I'll try to find those or I'll, I'll sit, put those in the show notes so that if people are listening to this, they can go to the Rule 11 website and the, in the post someplace, there'll be links to those things so people can follow up and, and do more stuff. All right, Tom, where can people follow you if they want to? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Tom Ammon. Tom has reduced himself to a single social media network. Yep. That's that's an amazing thing. <laughs> I'm a social minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> social minimalist. It's better than being an introvert, right? Being a social minimalist. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of introverts out there. I don't want to offend <laughs> No, it's a, it's a it's it's a very it's a very it's a very different way of saying I don't like people. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Social benefit. 
<laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'm Russ White. You can always find me here at The Hedge and at rule11.tech. We appreciate your time spent with us listening to these podcasts because we know your time is important. We're in an information-rich world, and uh, we just hope that we've added value to your life in this 45 minutes or whatever it is that we've been going on here about TCP offloading. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and we will catch you next time. 